My name is Rochelle Solomon. Hi, my name is Zara Hoffer. My name is Maria. Hello, my name is Nicole Pinto. My name is Amanda Waters. Let me introduce myself. I'm Yao, okay? My full name is Yao Pa Hoi Sangwan. Well, hi, my name is Jana Moss. My name is Patty Hung. And I am Sheree Louise Turner, and together we are nine women from around the world who share one goal to run the 2021 Boston Marathon, which takes place this year on October 11th. You are listening to Strides Forward, where we feature stories of women runners. This is episode seven of the Roads to Boston series, which is following the journeys of us nine runners to the 125th Boston Marathon. Whether the Boston Marathon is in your future plans or your running interests take a different shape, Join us to energize your own aspirations of reaching big goals. In this episode, we are checking in one final time before the marathon. How is everybody feeling now that the hardest parts of training are behind us? What have we learned along the way? And what are we all looking forward to on the day? If you haven't listened to previous episodes beginning with the trailer, I, of course, would love it if you did. But if you prefer to start here, that's fine too. And just to catch you up, so far in this series, we've followed everyone's running journeys to get to this point. From our very first experiences in the sport, all the way to, well, right now. And by right now, I'm talking about being only a few days away from the 125th Boston Marathon. Before we get into how all the marathoners are feeling about their training, I wanted to give an update on Maria. We did report in our previous check-in episode, which was episode 5, that Maria, who hails from Belgrade, Serbia, had to withdraw from the marathon because of an injury she sustained after getting hit by a cyclist. She is largely okay, but she decided several weeks ago that she wasn't going to be able to run Boston. So uh, not being able to run, I um, started biking really hard. So I think I improved my biking a lot. I, I ride my bicycle every single day. So yes, Maria has been cycling and she's been healing. She also learned that her Boston qualifying time will still be valid for 2022. So she plans to realize her Boston marathon dreams next year. Jonna Moss, who works as a medical doctor and lives in Spicer, Minnesota, had her own injury to contend with. When we last checked in, she'd been dealing with some pretty painful shin splints. This training cycle has not been what I had hoped, uh, and it's been pretty frustrating. Um, what I thought to be straightforward shin splints in my left leg turned out to actually be some pretty serious tendon tears along my tibia. Um, so instead of taking two weeks off of running like I had planned, um, I ended up taking nearly two months off and transitioned the majority of my training into uh, water workouts and aqua jogging. All that time in the pool has paid off. Jana's tendons have healed and she's been back on dry land long enough to get in the running training she needs to be able to run Boston. It's also been a rather uncertain road to this marathon for Canadian nutritionist Zara Hoffer, who will be traveling from her home in Vancouver. 
I definitely feel a lot better about my training right now because I have finally decided to fully 100% commit to running this race. And prior to that, the last, I don't know, two, three months, I've been wavering on whether or not I would actually be able to travel to Boston and committing to training for a marathon when you're not sure you're going to run a race is is hard for me to wrap my head around mentally. Yes, it is very difficult to get in solid training when you don't even know if you're actually going to get to the race. I myself, as someone who lives just a few miles from the finish line, have been concerned for most of this training period that the race might get canceled. I mean, who knows? Adding that extra layer of having to cross a national border has no doubt been stressful for all of the runners coming from out of the U.S. And add to all of that, Zara recently had an emergency appendectomy. Yes, you heard me right, an appendectomy. Thankfully, even though she'll have to be quite cautious when she covers the 26.2 miles of the marathon, Zara's doctors gave her the green light and she will be here. Now on to Amanda, who lives in the greater Boston area and has been training for her 16th consecutive Boston. Training has been a little bit more challenging, I think, this go-around, especially since we have a 20-month-old. But definitely the warmer weather training through the summer has been, for me, much more challenging than training through the cold. And in more recent weeks, in the last month or so, I've had to push my uh, daughter a lot more during training runs. So I've been doing about 40% of my mileage with her, which is an added challenge that I, I didn't have previously. I think the beginning part of my training, I had goals and aspirations of doing a lot more than what I've actually been able to accomplish based on everything going on in in my life and my family's lives. Adjusting to competing priorities is always a challenge with marathon training, especially when those priorities are very active toddlers. So you do what you have to. While Amanda is coming into Boston not 100% certain about what her pacing will be, her goal remains the same as it's been for over a decade, to qualify for Boston at Boston and keep her streak alive. Now, there are a few of us who have had a smoother time navigating this marathon training. For Nicole Pinto, that was her intent going in, and she stayed true to her plan. Training has been pretty much everything I anticipated it to be. I've been very lucky to have no injuries. I feel pretty strong. Uh, And along with that, just no pressure. I have no goal for this race, just to run it strong, feel good, and cross the finish line when I cross the finish line. To me, this is more of a victory lap than a race. And just for the first time in training, really just enjoying the training and running and running with other people and, you know, no pressure to hit a certain pace or, you know, getting down on myself if I'm just not feeling a run because I've run several marathons and I know that I can do this. And without the pressure of a goal, it's just, it's kind of liberating in a way. 
Now, mind you, Nicole is still training hard to get her runs in around her 50 to 60 hour a week job as a cardiovascular perfusionist. She gets up around 4 or 4.30 in the morning. And she found a steady training partner to do her long runs with. She just decided to stress out about it all a little less. And as she reports... Yeah, I'm feeling really good and really looking forward to towing the line in Boston. Bangkok, Thailand-based runner Yao echoes similar sentiments. You know, the whole year I've been training so hard and I'm so excited. Yeah, so Yao is ready to go. She's had a solid lead up to the marathon and a big part of why that's happened is because of her running community. The most valuable thing that I have right now, I got a group friends, very good team, good runners who train with me and supported me a lot. Sometimes they motivated me, like pacing me, cheer me up, run with me. And we always sometimes talk to each other during the training, like don't give up. And if you like, mm, someone cheer you up and keep you going. And at the end, we feel proud and happy that we make it done. And we feel confident for the next training that's coming up. Over in California, 75-year-old runner and pediatric nurse Patty Hung has stuck to the same program she's followed for decades. And everything has been going to plan. And as it has been for all those years, Patty's motivation to keep running long distances is fueled by the greater role that marathons have played in her life. As I always say to anyone who wants to know why do I run marathons and why do I run Boston, I run marathons because it gives me the strength and it gives me the wisdom for life. And that might just sound really general, but through challenges that we face every day, day in and day out, training gives me the motivation to uh, hold strong and stay with the program, whatever the program is, working, cleaning house, I mean, just really anything in life. The training is a lifesaver for me, and uh, I will be so indebted to my training when I get old and I can't do as much. Patty, who will be running her 35th consecutive Boston Marathon this year, has a very clear sense of how to prepare for this race and what to expect. On the other end of the spectrum, Rochelle Solomon is preparing for her very first in-person marathon, period. She was slated to run Boston 2020, but of course, that did not happen for anyone. Rochelle does live in the greater Boston area, however, so she did her virtual Boston last year on the actual Boston Marathon course. And throughout her steady progression for 2021, Rochelle has also spent time training on the famous route between Hopkinton and Boston, which has given her a way to track her progress. So I definitely saw where I had improved. I was very happy with what I was seeing. In terms of my last long run on the route, that was a little harder. I did get through it. I did have to dig deep. 
I did 22 miles on the route from Boston to Wellesley and then back again. I also picked the day where a lot of other marathon participants were out on the route. And it's just amazing to see what a community it is with different running groups having table and support tables with water, gels, or whatever the runners out there need to complete their final long run. You have, you get so much motivation. You have folks telling you, you're doing awesome, great. So many encouraging messages as you're doing your four, running the four hills of the Boston Marathon. It's true. The Boston route is, not surprisingly, a very, very popular place to train for the marathon, especially the area around the Newton Hills, the last one of which is that oh-so-famous Heartbreak Hill. I've been spending a lot of time out there myself, and it is a ton of fun with all of the company out there. But this is all behind us at this point, and now we're focusing on the very important phase of training, the taper. The taper. So the taper portion of my marathon training, you get antsy because your body's geared up to run, but then your plan tells you, like, drastically decreases your distances. So at this point, it's all about trusting your program. Trust your training and get your rest. That is the mandate for all of us for this final two or so weeks leading up to race day. It's a time, like Rochelle said, where you get a little antsy. You go from some of your biggest, hardest training into some of your least taxing days of training. It's a time to rejuvenate and recuperate and attend to all the final details before race day. What will you wear? What will you eat? How will you get to the start line? It's a time of getting excited, probably a little nervous, and perhaps slightly irritable, but it's also really a time to focus on staying calm. It can also be a time to reflect, because every single time you go through this marathon training journey, you come out the other end having learned something. Sometimes, like Nicole notes, you learn something about how to approach your training really focus on quality over quantity. Because of my modified training for this uh, marathon, you know, it's just been a number, hit X amount of miles. And, you know, really what's important is not so much the number, but the quality of the runs and how they feel and form and all of those things that really start to kick in towards the end of the race when you get tired. So, Forget about quantity. If you feel tired, skip a day. Focus on the quality of the run and just keep it moving. You know, one run is not going to determine the outcome of a race. No one run is going to make or break your marathon day. That is true. And you can never, ever predict how things will transpire over the course of a three-month period, especially if, like Amanda, you have a toddler to care for. Looking back, Amanda has gained a new perspective on training and discovered that her husband isn't the only running coach in the family. If I was to talk to myself before this training cycle, I think I would tell myself to be flexible and, and patient. Maybe 
not to worry about all the small stuff that you can't get done, um, even though those are important things to do, but to focus on what you can get done and, and to just really kind of savor the time out on the roads and the time with our daughter being able to spend the time training with her while it's it's definitely more difficult to be pushing a stroller and so forth she has has also made it really fun and interesting and and she's a tough little coach she will um not let me take breaks going up hills or when I'm too hot or something like that she she wants me to keep going and that's just been really fun to to do to watch her and to do that she actually pushed me out the door the other day by grabbing her snack that I had given her taking it to the stroller and uh, climbing basically climbing up into the stroller she also got me my shoes and, and a running shirt telling me that we needed to go for a run and that was a day that I had planned to take off so these these are like the nice little things that I have been able to do and and really appreciate working training in and around the rest of our lives is something we all experience I've talked about this a lot whether it's changing your training plan to accommodate your aspiring toddler coach or it's because you need to attend to other pressing needs You'll always be called on to get a little creative. So, as Rochelle experienced, a big part of living the marathon life is making sure you can also live the rest of your life. We always say life happens, but life really does happen. At the beginning of setting up my training and starting my training, I learned that or I decided to have a procedure to have two fibroids removed. It wasn't something I wanted to necessarily do during marathon training, but it was something I wasn't going to wait until marathon training to be over with, to take care of. So I kind of had to make the decision, like, you're going to have these fibroids removed and reconfigure things and speak with my coach about how training would look like from there um, the procedure I had was pretty minor and my downtime was about a week so um, I did consult with my coach he rejiggered my plan um, even though I was worried about how I would perform after surgery I was just surprised I really recouped well and all the fitness I had gained over the course of training wasn't lost and actually I probably did need the rest and um, it really hasn't affected my training as far as I am concerned because when I look at my past performance to my current performance I'm a much faster and stronger runner now than I was the first time I trained for uh, my last marathon. Yeah, changing up your plan, taking some unexpected rest, does not mean all is lost, and really, it may turn out for the best in the long run. That's what makes this whole process forever interesting and challenging. There is no perfect way to prepare, and add to that, your body and the circumstances around every preparation change. There are, however, some pretty well-established elements to marathon training that we all know we should do, but we don't always stick to. 
So sometimes the lessons we learn are really just reinforcements of lessons we've already known. These, of course, can be frustrating. And I feel exactly where Zara is coming from here because I have been there myself. Don't slack on your strength training. Um, (laughs) That's super, super important. Um, Making sure that that I'm making time for strength training is super important all the way through and even in the off season. Of course, this is something that I know, and yet I somehow don't ever make this a priority every training cycle, and then I end up in the same spot with wiggles and niggles and pains here and there, and and generally it's because of overuse and weaknesses in the muscles, and um, it makes for a much more challenging training cycle than it needs to be. Zara is not the only one learning a well-known lesson. Like Jana, most of us, myself included, have been through some nasty injuries and have discovered exactly what she has learned. If I could go back in time and rewind three months ago, uh, I would tell myself it is so important to listen to your body. Um, You know, recover, rest, foam roll, stretch. Um, and the importance of finding some form of cross training that you enjoy, um, because you cannot just run. Um, doing that sooner or later will end up leading to injury. Yes, so I'll double down here on what both Zara and Jana have to say, because indeed, these lessons are ones I have learned myself the hard way. And finally, 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 this time around, I put them into practice. I hired a strength coach who has been awesome, and I stuck to the program he made me. So thank you, Tony Gentlecore of Core in Brookline. I have also been the runner who's run too much and not listened to my body, and I've gotten hurt because of it. I now run three or four times a week, and I make those days count. This time around, I found an incredible support system in the Wednesday group speed workouts and Sunday group long runs that Tracksmith organizes from their Boston store. I mention these specifically because they did become the cornerstone of my program, especially those long runs. It was awesome. All I had to do was show up, and I had a ton of fun and ran with a lot of excellent people and shared a lot of solid training miles. So yeah, thank you, Tracksmith, and I cannot recommend finding great group runs in your area enough. On days when I wasn't running, I did yoga or I rode my bike and I did those weight workouts. And I rested a lot more than I ever have in the past. I am 52, and I recognize that I need more time to recover than I used to. And when I don't get it, I pay for it. So when my body felt bad, I stopped. I wasn't perfect at it, but when I felt really, truly bad, I ended my workout. There were a few days, especially in the heat of summer, when I just walked home, like a couple of miles. I reminded myself that flogging myself in training just to tick some box was not helpful. Yes, training is tiring, and there will always be days when you don't feel awesome and you should push through. But there are also times when you would rather curl up on the side of the road and take a nap, days when you just feel bone-tired, when it is okay, actually, it's better than okay for you to just call it and get some rest. 
So yeah, that's what I did. And it was not easy because I come from years and years and years of always pushing through. No pain, no gain, right? Ha! I kept at that until my body found some other way to slow me down, like getting sick or injured. So I am making strong efforts to just not do that anymore. I will also add here that I had tons of fun training for this marathon. And I feel great. But like I said, it's taken me many years to get here. And before this, I had to relearn many, many times over those same lessons that Jonna and Zara now know well. Getting back to Boston 2021, now with our training done and lessons learned, of course it's time to look ahead, to give some consideration to what our goals and intentions are for this very, very long-awaited event. Because, at long last, the sporting world, the local community and fans, and the thousands of athletes who are running Boston 2021 finally do get to unite and demonstrate, once again, this is Boston Strong. And that has meaning to us all. It's fueled Jana in times of doubt. With all of this, uh, there have been times when I've actually considered dropping out. Um, but, you know, I've waited over two years to be able to participate in the Boston Marathon uh, and so that dream has really continued to push me forward um, despite not being able to run. Uh, my goal at this point is just to finish the marathon and really enjoy the experience, you know, take in the course, enjoy the people along the course, enjoy the city itself. Enjoying and appreciating the event is a focus shared by many of the runners, including Nicole. My intention for this marathon really is to be present. Um, to really take in everything about the race from the way the weather feels to the crowd support to how I feel to each mile just really being in the moment which is something that when I'm really focused on a time or a goal um, kind of goes out the window a little bit and I just think that it's going to be pretty amazing to not have that pressure to be focused on a pace and watching my watch. And I just really look forward to the experience. It's Boston and it's my first Boston. And there, this was just something that I didn't see happening when I first started running. It wasn't even on my radar. So to be able to go and experience this, it's just incredible. And I, I just want to see all the things to see and really live in the moment. Being in the moment is a focus for Zara, too. So my goal or intention for this marathon is really to enjoy the ride. I think after how challenging it's been for me to get here, to get to the point to be able to actually run Boston, I really want to relish in the experience and I just want to enjoy the ride and finish smiling. And for Rochelle, I'd say she's already in the moment. Everyone is asked in some way or another, 
Well, when are you trying to finish the marathon? What time are you trying to finish the marathon? And I have really not set a time goal. And my reason behind that is this marathon cycle training has been different than the first time. And I feel stronger as a runner in terms of what I'm looking forward to. I try not to get too wrapped up in what I'm looking forward to because I feel like if I start thinking about that day, there's going to be so much, so many amazing things that happen on that day on that route. And to see all the folks out there um, cheering the marathoners on and to be a marathoner on that day on the route is just going to be such an immense experience that... I'm, I'm saving it. I'm saving any energy around thinking about what it's going to be like for that day. And I'm just focusing on finishing up my training and making sure that I'm healthy, I'm hydrated, and in the best optimal condition possible to run. Over in Thailand, it's sinking in for Yao what this experience means to her. Boston is one of the legends of the marathon event. That's why for once in your life, it's amazing and honor that you can be part of that. I'm one of those people. I'm not a professional runner, but finally I can prove myself that from constantly training and your dedication, discipline, and or your hard working can bring you to this. And here I am going to run in Boston Marathon. Patty knows that feeling well. Here I am running Boston, an event that has become a decades-long tradition for her. My goal for the marathon is, of course, to finish. It's always to finish healthy. And uh, I have been so fortunate for all these 30, last 34 years that I have been strong and healthy finishing and going back to my wonderful cousin's house, Nancy and Jack, and celebrate for the next year. So I look forward to running the next Boston Marathon, but more importantly right now, to finish 2021. Finishing healthy is certainly a focus all the way around, and especially for Patty, who's looking to continue her incredible Boston streak in April 2022. Another reality for everyone experiencing Boston this year is that this will be a special one. The race has been on hold for over two years, and the entire world has been through a traumatic upheaval in that time. So this isn't only the return of a beloved event. It is a marker that we do get to return to things we love, however much the world has changed. We get to celebrate all together once again. And if there is one place where people know how to bring it, it's Boston. Because this whole idea of Boston Strong, let me tell you, it's real. And it is something that Amanda who has grown up with this race, totally understands. I think it's going to just mean 
a tremendous amount. I, I expect it's going to be a somewhat emotional day being back out there. I think it's going to be very similar to how the marathon was in 2014, where everybody was back out on the roads and just wanted to prove that the marathon was still what it was. It still has all the meaning of being this tremendous force and celebration and community. I think being back out there in 2014 after the bombings in 2013, we were all, we all wanted to show that the Boston Marathon was still this community event. And it, it, I remember running behind someone who had a shirt that said that Northern California was part of Boston too. And the impact of that was amazing. It, it just, it just shows that every runners unite no matter where they are. And even if we all go through a lot of hardships, once we're out there at the Boston Marathon, we've all done the same kind of training. Um, we all have the goal to cross that finish line on Boylston Street. And, and it's just an amazing, incredible feeling. That amazing feeling of going down Boylston Street and crossing that finish line has been on my mind for months. For my part, having this marathon to focus on has been a bright light in this otherwise incredibly difficult time of COVID. It's been an entry point for me to meet new friends in a city that I've largely found during the three years I've been here can be cold and tough in many respects. But I knew the day I got that email that I had my entry into this race that Boston loves its marathon. And I knew if I got to be a part of this, to train for Boston in Boston, and to be around the enthusiasm and love people have for this event here, it could change the way I feel about this place. And you know what? I was right. It hasn't made the unfriendly people any more friendly. And it hasn't made the aggressively bad drivers any less aggressively bad. But it has given me a place to connect with people in a way that I really appreciate. Because like Amanda said, for the runners, wherever we come from, however long it takes us to cover the distance, on October 11th, we are all doing the same thing. And on the day, we will no doubt be cheered on by the epic crowds that make this race what it is. Now I'm off to meet up with this crew and run a marathon, and we are taking a short break. And by we, I also mean Cormac O'Regan, who creates all the music you hear in these episodes and does the sound design. He'll be running the Amsterdam Marathon the weekend after Boston, so good luck, Cormac. But we will be back soon with some follow-up episodes in this series, as in we'll certainly let you know how the experience was for all of us. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode of this series or what's to come. I also welcome you to visit our website, stridesforwardpodcast.com. On the page for this series, you can find some extra information and great photos of each of the runners. We're also very active on Instagram and Twitter, and our handle is at stridesforward. You can also find us on Facebook.
And of course, thank you for listening. We love telling these stories, but we could not do it without you. We also couldn't do this series without our incredible featured runners. Once again, I want to give a big thank you to Patty, Amanda, Rochelle, Zara, Maria, Nicole, Jana, and Yao. We also want to give a special thank you to the Boston Athletic Association for their help with this series, especially Chris Lotzbaum. And thank you to my pod prod crew for keeping me grounded and motivated. And thank you always for my LSD running crew in Cork. The Strides Forward team includes me, Cherie Turner, your host and producer. Cormac O'Regan does create all the original music, and he does the sound design. He does that from his studio in Cork, Ireland. April Mariner of Bonfire Collaborative does all the design work for the show, including the website, the merch, the logo, and all that great social media that you see. She comes to you from Truckee, California, and you can find April at bonfirecollaborative.com. Please stay tuned to find out how this all goes down and what we've got coming next. Until then, this is Cherie wishing you many healthy, joyful strides forward. That strides forward. Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic woman.